morning, ladies and gentlemen, and everything else in between, because we have to say that nowadays. Uh, welcome to the Outpost Frequencies, brought to you by thelastmovieoutpost.com, for all of your movie news, reviews, and everything cool about film. I'm your host this evening, not George Lucas, and with me is Drunken Yoda. Hi there, George. Glad to see I could uh, bring you off of your uh, your Sean's little... Uh podcast your live stream or whatever about uh i i i know it was about exploitation movies but i'm going to retitle it watch how far george and sean can go up their own asses uh oh oh yoda doesn't like it when a guy gets a ice pick shoved up his ass and uses his brain as a pinwheel oh he just doesn't understand uh whatever so- buddy so oh, you saw you saw the, the video then. He doesn't understand the artistry of that girl eating her own eyeballs. I just uh, yo boo boo boo. The guy he went on about dash cam. I was like, oh my god, he just doesn't understand when a camera lies in the grass for forty five minutes while you hear car horns off in the distance. It's just he just doesn't get it. He likes movies that are fun. Well, whatever. Fuck you both. So you saw the you saw the 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 me and Sean talking about extreme movies and no I didn't see it at all. <laughs> we just said that you like normie films. Yeah, That's I what like it was. normie films. <laughs> you went all far that you know I do like Upgrade by the way, and both of us shat on the Batman. So whatever. <laughs> it's just uh, when it comes to the exploitation stuff. Like I say, I didn't realize what a fan I was was what it was um and then talking to sean about it and we we just had similar tastes and like i say with you not liking dash cam we just thought like i say that you were a bit you know i boring well (laughs) okay one fuck you (laughs) two uh the dash cam i i was a little bit more nuanced okay asshole sean um i said that i like the chats I love that part where people were responding and live stream, you know, they're, they're, oh, this is fake. I thought that was great, except when they forgot to put it on for 20 minutes. And then I liked the beginning and the setups, and I liked her, uh, you know, kind of this quirkiness as a character, but she kind of got more unlikable. But then it just turned into found footage dreck, at my opinion. And if it was supposed to be funny or it was supposed to be a joke, it's like I can't get the joke if I can't see what's going on screen. And having a camera lay in the grass for 45 minutes isn't giving me any context, okay? So I'm sorry. I just I thought that if they were going for more horror, I would like – I just – I don't like the found footage technique. And that's what it is. They Call it whatever you want. That's what it is. No, I, I, in some, in, in a lot of respects, I do agree with you. And I've seen a lot of found footage movies where I've hated it. The one that really annoys me is, is when I think it was Wreck, um, which is the one where they, the vampires are like living in the attic type of thing. But a professional camera crew go to investigate this thing. And then for some strange reason, as soon as it starts kicking off, the cameraman becomes, it develops Parkinson's and cannot shoot straight. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. I've done shooting like this before. I used to film things like horse racing and stuff like that. I know how to point a camera at something and film it and not keep zooming in and out and shaking the camera all over the place. And that's the only thing I get with those. But then I do, the problem is I do think a lot of the found footage movie stuff, a lot of them are just rubbish. Whereas I did think Dashcam was just a steps ahead of the competition maybe i haven't seen much found footage in a long time probably since cloverfield or maybe what was that superhero one with dane dehan um 
I, I can't remember. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I know the one you mean. Yeah, I'll come on. I can't remember either, the yeah. title. The, the, the guy who did it ended up doing fan four stick and then screwed himself out of the industry. Uh, but I, it was like, I couldn't tell what was going on. And one of the things, like when I talked to Sean about it and he kind of explained that this was more of a, I wouldn't say a parody, but more of a comedy horror. And yeah. I, I could see some of that in it. I just, I didn't need to see the lady shitting in the back of the car. I just didn't need, I didn't need to see him cleaning it up afterwards. I could deal with her shitting in the back. Like, oh, she shit. Okay, that's gross. I didn't need to see him actually going in there and making gagging noises trying to clean it up. I, I saw no reason for that to be in the movie. And I didn't see, if I'd had that context, like he had context. He knew these people, I guess. Or not, you know, personally, but he's familiar yeah. with this. These, I guess they're a band or something. He's kind of familiar with their quirkiness and all that kind of stuff. So he maybe had a layer of context that I just didn't have. So as a guy going in cold, I saw what I'll I'll freely admit pulled me in for the first half of the movie, and right. then once she got in the car with the weird girl, and things just started getting more and more chaotic, and I couldn't. Again, I I didn't mind that it got more. It should. I mean, that's obviously mm-hmm. what we're going for here. But <laughs> yeah. the chaos resulted in, I have no idea what I'm seeing on the screen because it's moving too fast. It's whipping, you know, the camera's whip yeah. panning constantly or flipping. A couple of times, I think it was just throw the camera up in the air and just let's see what happens. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it. And it did lay in the grass for a fairly long time. And I could hear maybe some screaming and then a car horn and then. Somebody, some police officers say, you can't shoot a movie here. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you got a permit for that, yeah. <laughs> uh, the I guess she turned into some sort of demon creature, which was kind of like, oh, that looked cool, but I never got a good look at it. Not good enough, anyway, which maybe that's probably it, for the best given the budget. But it's one of those, it's again, it's one of those scenarios. I've been watching the second part of um, In Search of Darkness. And I think it's Tom Savini who said that sometimes less is more. That if you don't see it, your imagination kind of run wild with it. And I, I, I can understand why people don't like that found footage type of movie. I think that my issue was I have sat through so much crap of of just awful horror movies where you know there's been nothing original, nothing new, and it's just it's literally well, you need content to be more as discerning, opposed to films. Man. I, well, that's that the sounds thing like is, a I, you I, problem, not a me problem. No, no, no. I look at it and I think, well, that looks quite good. And it looks quite decent, but then it's absolutely awful. And I just found, I mean, the original um, movie that Rob Savage did was called Host, which was a seance over, over Skype, which was really well done. Really, really well done. I really like this one because I just think it was, as I said, head and shoulders above a lot of the other crap that's out there. And unfortunately, you've got to wade through a lot of that crap and to, to get to something decent. I, I, I will admit that after listening to you two talk about it and kind of go into some of the context that maybe I didn't have, I can see what you're talking about, and I might give it another shot. Um, and maybe <coughs> the second time around when I know what's coming and everything, I know what to look for, maybe I'll maybe I'll have a different opinion of it. Um, I, I don't think that that it was just one of these garbage ones that they put out in January. Yeah, you know, all the time. I think it was better than that, but I, I, when it went into, you know, 
what I saw as just complete lazy found footage territory where it was just make the camera shake a lot so you don't know what the fuck is going on and that'll be scary because you'll hear noises. I'm like going, I, I just, and, and I don't have a predilection towards gory movies in general or or horror movies in general. I just, you know, I admit it. Yes, I like my superhero stuff. I like my Star Trek. I like my Star I like optimistic stuff. I like stuff that's fun. I'm weird that way, I guess. No, no, no. But that's a good thing. No, yeah. but, but that's a, that is a good thing because, I, like I say, I mean, you know, if, if, if we did all like the same thing, it would be incredibly boring, boring world to live in. But sure. we don't. We, we all enjoy we all like watching. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's not to say that there aren't some horror movies that I adore, like The Shining or the original Texas Chainsaw or you know, the first nightmare on Elm street and probably several others. that I can't think of off the top of my head, the thing. Um, but I don't, you know, if, if it's supposed to be funny, like I don't expect everybody to spell out the movie for me. I don't want that, yeah. but I do expect to have enough context that I can form an opinion. And when the camera is completely chaos, complete chaos for most of the time, I have trouble trying to figure out, what the filmmaker is even wanting me to see, not necessarily what he's wanting me to understand. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. I, yeah. Um, again, it's kind of one of those things. I th there are some moments in, in dash cam where I think he got it absolutely spot on where it is difficult to see, you know, that he's, he, it must be difficult to film that kind of thing, making sure the correct stuff is shown and obviously not, you know, the guy with a hand up the monster's ass puppeteering it type right. of thing, you know, in, 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 I mean, obviously in a very vague way. Um, and I think he got it absolutely spot on. Like I say, I, I really liked it. And hopefully we've got an interview with, um, Annie Hardy. I'll who's be the main star, I'd so. like to, I'd like to hear her, what she says, or even I might, I, well, depending on the time, I wouldn't mind being involved in that interview. Cause I would probably come at it from a different angle. I don't want to shit on the whole thing. I mean, it's more than I've ever done. <laughs> Oh, um, here we go. Another found <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to cut Yoda off now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you put that shit in my eyeballs? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, but, I mean, you know, there was, like, moments, like, the dude, like, she's out in the middle of nowhere, it looks like. She's out in the field or, or in a woods. She's driven the car, but she's out in the middle of the woods, and the guy just finds her. And I'm like, going, how did he, I mean, maybe he had GPS of the car, but if that's what it was, it didn't really come across that way. And if he had her phone, I mean, it's just like, how did he manage? You know, so that's the kind of logic crap that bought. That's why I have so many problems with Star Trek and everything right now. Because, <laughs> you know, that's that's supposed to be tailor-made for engineer, you know, logic minds like us. And they're completely fucking it up. It is kind of a shame that they sometimes put so much thought into the story and stuff like that. But then they completely miss, you know, other gaping holes of the details reality. Him, yeah. Detail yeah, exactly. Detail. The devil's in the detail. Anyway, so let's talk about let's talk about some of the news first of all. I, I do want so to this... answer before you start. I want to answer this uh -oh. one question, Zap, because he put it on here before we even started. So I feel like we need to ask, uh, to answer it. Will Top Gun? I'm assuming he means B. Be the first and maybe only movie to make over a billion this year. I'm going to say no. I don't think it's even going to come close. You reckon? I think it's going to make half a billion, maybe. I don't think, I think people are overestimating the nostalgia and how much people want to go to it now. I'll be happy to be wrong. I'll be the first one. 
if I'm wrong, I'll be the first one to say, thank God I was wrong. Cause I think from the trailers, everything I see, it looks like, a an awesome movie. Um, and it looks I, like see, a throwback. I, I never got the original. I, it was, I was very late coming to the original. And when I watched the original, all I kept thinking was how homoerotic the whole thing was. That, that's why people like <laughs> you who don't, who didn't live in the eighties, and didn't understand the rah-rah, go America, in the middle of the Cold War, cool jets. Yeah, you know. yeah. If you weren't there for that, if you missed that, then Top Gun isn't as big a deal to you. Right. As, and, you know, if if they think that tons of people are going to love... Now, if they think a ton of people, especially young people, are going to love it the way people like me love it, they're crazy. And you're right. The yeah. homoerotica stuff is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, even the girl's name is Charlie, right? <laughs> so, I, I mean, and that part's funny. I'm sure it's all unintentional, but it is kind of funny. Um, but it's, you know, today, I mean, one, we got a war, an actual war going on, so the timing couldn't be worse. Secondly, everything's, well, not everything, but so much of it's done with drones and stuff now. Yeah. And fighter pilots. The actual, yeah. I, I don't think they're, they're buried in a bunker deep somewhere on a remote control yeah, and that kind of eat, thing. You know, and stuff in their face with chips going up. Yeah. Not good. Whatever. They look, they I know look it's like not us. like that, but yeah, you know. No, I was going to say, they, they look like us. They're not like fit young Tom Cruise no. with shirts off and that kind of thing. Yeah. They didn't have to have 2020 <laughs> vision. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, but I, I just don't see it being the big. There's one generation, the Generation Xers, I think maybe some baby boomers that really have a, a fondness for Top Gun because of it when it came out at the time. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't know that it has that kind of resonance through the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah, like I say, that, I mean, it is only 30 years ago, but I mean, the world has changed so much. That, like you say, it's not the kind. Of, like you say, I, I completely understand how, as as an English guy, I missed the whole, you know, America's great and everything else kind of thing about the movie. And so, like I say to me, it just it never interested me. As the second one doesn't, I'm not bothered about it at all. But that generation, like you say, that grew up in that time with those fears, and they all wanted to grow up to be fighter pilots and those kind of thing. Nowadays, kids don't want to grow up to be fighter pilots anymore. They want to grow up to be YouTubers and TikTokers and that kind of thing. You know, it's 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 a completely different generation that they're trying to appeal to. Yeah, and there, there are some hooks, though. Um, the fact that everything, or a great portion of it, is filmed in real fighter jets, that these mm. are real fighter jets that are happening, not CGI. I mean, I'm sure there is CGI in it. I'm sure that they didn't blow up actual jets, you know, things <laughs> like that. But Tom Cruise has got some sway, but not yeah, that he much. ain't got that much sway. He ain't gonna blow up a, a 35 billion dollar plane. Um, but you know, there there's so much of it that is real in it, and then the the people are in the cockpits. And they have, you know, like six IMAX cameras on them in various yeah. different. So, I mean, there, there is there is that hook, which I'll admit, I'm like going, yeah, sign me up just for that. Even if I didn't yeah. have any Top Gun, you know, I'd like to see. It's, it's going to be a great action movie. Yeah. Yeah. So will that be enough to sway those that don't have the nostalgia? And I don't know. I mean... <clears throat> I don't see that the Mission Impossible movies do well, but they're not, they're not breaking the bank. Mm. 
It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Zach's yeah. just said they do tend to share one physical quality with Yoda, but I'm afraid they do not look like you guys or me for that matter. No, exactly, yeah. Zach. I imagine you're you're in the same generation as us that, like I say, um, we're 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 more on the technical side of Top Gun, yeah. where we we can quite happily sit there and design the aircraft, but uh, staying fit and flying them, not so much. Is he, is he talking <laughs> about the actual Yoda or uh, Fat Dad Yoda over here? Because, I mean, both of those are probably correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about the news then. So the, there's new footage or, or photos out from the Avatar film. Um, the second one, the second of, what, five is it going to be already at the moment? Absolutely. I saw the trailer before Doctor Strange this week on Friday. There is nothing about that movie that makes me want to go and see it in any way, shape, or form. I have seen the first one. I can't remember if I saw it in the cinema or not, but I saw the first one and I sort of thought, yeah, it's right. You know, it was... Avatar was a phenomenon because of the advanced 3D technology yeah. from beginning to end. You know, it wasn't just, you know, retrofitting it or kind of doing it. They, he, you know, James Cameron did it for a 3D experience unlike any other, especially in IMAX. And I I can't fault him for that. That is what made mm. it so such a big deal at the time. And then he told a a Titanic typical story um, mm. that was simplistic and stupid and just hits you right. You know, it just hits the normies. <laughs> and yeah, you call me a normie, but come on. That is that is a when when Red Letter Media did Titanic, he said Titanic is as average as it gets. It hits the mm. bullseye in the center of average. And that yeah. got everybody that you know, that's why it made so much money. Avatar does the same thing while adding this this new technology to it. Okay? Yeah. Once it was out of the theater and once it went on to home video and you watched it without all the extra technology and it had to get by on its story alone, it ain't, it ain't good. And nobody mm. talks about it like, it's not an IP that people fondly remember or continue to talk about or go... That's, that's, that's what I don't understand, why James Cameron is... Now, don't get me wrong, the man has made some great sequels, uh, obviously, you know, he's made some great movies, but I do not... I don't understand what made him think, ah, oh, do you know what? Yeah, this is the one. This is the one I need to make a five-series movie set out of. You know, I would have, after so many retellings of the story of Titanic, I, I went, when he was, and I remember the stories, this was back in 96, uh, 97, where they um, say, well, he blew $220 million on Titanic, and this is going to be a boondoggle, and there's no way this, and we all thought the same way. It's like, Titanic, I mean, yeah. it, it, I'm sure it's going to be interesting with the new... Uh, special effects and everything, at least at that time. But I mean, come on, it's not gonna, it's not gonna. There's no way he's gonna make his money back. And he ended up breaking all the box office records. It, it, I, I don't know what the magic formula is that he has, but his movies always do tend to do this. That he seems to just get the advertising right and the marketing right, and he just makes people need to go and see those films again. Avatar was one of the biggest. It, it, it sort of reached number well, one for a while, yeah. didn't it? And, Okay, let's. Re, re, he doesn't have as extensive a film catalog as you might think, you know. So when you say that, it's really just his last two. 
he hit he hit gold uh, on Titanic and on yeah. um, and I mean gold. I'm not saying that Terminator Two wasn't a blockbuster, no. but it didn't it didn't break record. It didn't break Star Wars no. record or anything. No, Abyss was great. Didn't break records. The first Terminator was a surprise, and mm. is fondly remembered. And yeah, certainly is a cultural icon. Didn't break records. True Lies, I love the movie, but and it and it did Again. okay success, but not. You know, a very successful movie, not... It, it was Titanic and Avatar that blew open the doors and broke box office records everywhere, right? Right. So, two, is that a trend? Will Avatar 2 be mm. as... Will it, will it continue that trend? I'm going to give him the benefit Shh. of the doubt because, if, if one, he has got somebody else writing the story. It's not him writing the story, or at least he's got a screenwriter yeah. in there. Yeah. So maybe if this if this has all the 3D stuff, but he makes a much better story, a story that really grabs you and works, and and is it so simplistic and everything? Hey, maybe. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to bet against the man. Let's put it that way. I kind of would like to have seen him gone with a new IP. I mean, you know, Avatar was a completely new IP when it came out, and and it was nice to see something fresh and original. And I think, not that I'm bored with modern Hollywood, but I'm sort of very much getting there. But just the whole sequel, prequel, churn out, spin off, whatever it is, is just, you know, I, 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 I that that for me, that's one of the main reasons I'm just not that bothered with it. Because it's just it's another IP of the same thing, and it's just uh, I'd have preferred to well, see how, something new from him. Well, how long has it been in production now? Like seven years? <laughs> it's just well, something. Yeah. It's been ridiculous. But then on the and they shoot him back to back as well with them. I think so I mean, so. it's yeah, it's just taken um, him this long to finally get it to the point that he can release it. What what's it coming out next year? Twenty twenty three, something like that. I don't know. Uh, I, I know he loves doing stuff underwater. You know, he did the Abyss. He did Titanic. And now this is Avatar, the way of the water. And I know he loves Avatar. So now he's put it both together. So, you know, if my math works right, it should be, it should make $7 billion. <laughs> um, yeah, he's early. Um, Zach has said, um, Cameron loves the technical aspect of filmmaking. Oh, he said about being balding and tight helmets and the G's. Yes, I imagine tight helmets. Can you imagine us with, with a lot of G's? You know, yeah. faces going all over the place. It'd be absolutely awful. It'd be um, like uh, when uh, uh, Grandpa Simpson turned back into yeah. Homer. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cameron loved the technical aspect of filmmaking. He enjoys advanced filmmaking, um, advancing filmmaking. Think of how many advances he has made part of since his career. Remember Escape from New York? Yeah, I mean, Piranha too. Yeah. <laughs> or Piranha, maybe it was Piranha. I, I know he did. I know he did the uh, the special effects work in uh, Battle Beyond the Stars and things like that. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not faulting the man for his technical work. I'm not at all. The guy has has made breakthrough after breakthrough. I mean, you look at the the Abyss Water Tentacle. You look at the T T One Thousand. Yeah. You look at what he did with Titanic. Um, you look at what he did with Avatar from a technical aspect from a special effects for, for breaking new ground in cinema making you go wow that's something i've never seen before hands down the best storytelling <laughs> i mean i don't i just don't know with avatar we've had 10 years since avatar now more than Again, 14 yeah years. yeah because it came out in 2009 right 
So it it's uh yeah, that's that's uh thirteen years, fourteen by the time it comes out. And we have they've been able to put anything and everything on the screen and now to the point mm. that we're kinda jaded, you know. Um so I just don't know if he's gonna be able to do something that we go, Oh yeah. Unless the three D is, you know, like he actually does a holodeck in the theater or something. I just don't know. <laughs> you never know. Like I say, it's all going to be in virtual you reality. Come a, so come we all put headsets on. Eyes, like the, the <laughs> Navi have been punching in the face. It's like, you go, wow, it was amazing. Like, what the hell happened to I mean, you? <laughs> the stupid thing is, the stupid thing is, is, I mean, like you say, it's about the storytelling. And I mean, I've seen movies with zero special effects, but have hooked me far more than. You know, and so yes, push these technical boundaries. I completely get that, and I think it's amazing when directors do that. But it has got to be built around the story first of all. Do you watch? You watch Critical Drinker? Yeah. Did you see his thing on Twelve Angry Men? I haven't yet. No, it's on my on my list. It is. It is in my top ten movies. It's one I I revisit every so often. It's one of right. my favorite movies of all time, and it's it's one I. I tend to forget about for some reason, because you, you end up talking about, you know, recent modern stuff from our childhood and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. But 12 angry men is a prime example of what you're talking about. It's a movie mm. about a jury um, that is deliberating just after the trial. It starts out like in the trial and they li- yeah. And, and it's <laughs> like, okay, uh, you've got all your information. Please go and deliberate and we'll, you know, and then they go through, and you got one guy who's like going not guilty, and the rest of them are going guilty. And you've probably seen this trope done in other mm. mediums or something like that. But in in this one, first of all, you get a stunning cast. It's all done in one room. It could be a stage play, mm. and and the camera work and the lighting and everything he talked about, I had noticed long ago, and, I, and some of it I hadn't noticed. I mean, he found things in there I wasn't even thinking about, but it's. It is a brilliantly done movie. It's all done in one room. It's all done almost real time. And it's just 12 guys arguing around a table. Mm. And it's one of the best movies ever made. So that's, you know, that is a prime example of what you're talking about. And I think it was James Cameron who said that just because you've got, you know, special special effects or 3D doesn't make a good movie great. Or anything, you know, that just because if Twelve Angry Men wasn't in 3D, it wouldn't be a better movie. It would be you know? far worse, actually. <laughs> and and it's in black like, and white, for God's sakes, you know, it's not even in color. That's probably why a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah, um, it's too bad because it is a phenomenal movie. Yeah, I tried to get my wife to watch Casablanca. You know, one of the greatest movies of all time. She just ah, it's black and white. I don't like it. She just loses interest, and it's uh, kind of sad because there's some great stories out there. I, I there's saw a great. I thought I was going to say I saw a great thing of um, it was interviewing Joe Dante and he was saying about the remake of Psycho how they just sort of remade it for a modern audience and it was literally shot for shot apart from a couple of scenes which had been slightly altered and he said what an utter waste of time he said that was a travesty of a remake it was and he said, an it's just... exact shot for shot remake yeah, that was the one Gus it's... Van Sant did. Yeah, but he said it was just such a waste because some people won't watch it in black and white. And he said, well, if they do, they're missing out. <laughs> it's kind of like, don't don't pander to these people and make something in colour. Just make them watch the old one. If they don't want to watch it, that's their loss. I mean, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, what what's, what was her name? She was the girl that went with Ellen for a while. Anne Hesh. Anne, Anne Hesh. Hesh is no 
Oh yeah, um, you know the original actress from Psycho. I mean, she's oh know, man, brain fart. The mother of Jamie Lee Curtis. And aren't we sad? Welcome, no, brain, welcome to you... being old. <laughs> well, 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 I'm welcome sure to Zach can look it up. The last movie I post. Goodness uh, me, oh, that's terrible. I can't remember her name. Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Thank you. And I mean, <laughs> Anthony. Uh, you know, Vince Vaughn is no Anthony Perkins. No. Not not for that role. I don't dislike Vince no. Vaughn, but I mean, no. come on. It was just one of those, again, it was one of those things where it's kind of, there is absolutely no reason to make this movie in any way, shape or form. If you are just making it for people who won't watch the black and white version, then just don't do it. Because you know, it's... That old trope where you, you know, you take a photocopy or make a copy of a copy and, yeah. and it's blurry and it's not as good. That's exactly what that remake was. Oh dear, terrible. Um, did you celebrate Star Wars Day? I did not. I, I mourned. Did. I mourned. No. Um, That's my mourning day now. We talked about the prequels the other day, and I did watch the prequels a couple of weeks ago. But I did sit down and watch the, um, not just the trilogy and um, the original trilogy, but they were the fan cut special edition, despecialized 4K versions, um, which are basically despecialized but in 4K. So hand shots, shoots first, because I, I just ah. Uh, like it's so painful to watch that scene and seeing Greedo shoot first and with a gun pointing straight at somebody literally three feet away and yet the the and I'm just oh it's so painful and so yeah I had to watch the the despecialized special editions I would love to make I, I should sit down it's going to be a a painstaking process but I would love to sit down and take the special edition keep the shit I like and then cut in the despecialized stuff of the stuff I don't like. And, and That's what the fan original. edits are. There are fan edits. Yeah. And I haven't, yeah. I haven't picked one up, uh, but you know, the, it isn't like, I just don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, I like the, yeah. the better compositing. I like the mm. battle of the death star at the end. Um, I like it when Han, you know, pulls up short when he, runs around a corner and he sees 8 million stormtroopers. <laughs> it makes yeah. that joke work so much better, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's little moments like that. That's like, this isn't that bad. And then there's other things where I'm like going, why? Hot shot first or... Anakin at the end. What, I had to change him with Hayden Christensen, even though yeah. he died as Sebastian Shaw. Yeah. And it was just... Uh, uh, uh. It's kind of a, kind of a middle fingers to Sebastian Shaw, I always thought. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the original trilogy again. It, they they are just a great set of movies, and I still say Empire is the best one, but Jedi is is my favourite because I just I I love it. Um, I think it's because it's the first one I remember seeing in the cinema. I don't think the Ewoks are as bad as what people make out, and just the whole flying through the, you know that that sequence flying through the Death Star is that, so that is brilliantly awesome. done. It's I, brilliant. I vacillate between empire and the original star wars um i agree with you the M the empire strikes back is the best of the three mm. objectively it's the best yeah absolutely yeah subjectively and technically and, and i was gonna say and technically and everything else yeah. i think empire just nailed every part of it it was brilliant it makes it makes the lore and the, the it deepens the universe yes. the first star wars is a fun action adventure movie however Empire can't exist without it. Mm. And it 
you say, and maybe I have the same thing. I saw Star Wars, one of my first movies in a the theater. And it was at the Glenwood Theater, which at the time had the biggest indoor screen in Kansas City. And it was in 70 millimeter. And I'm six years old, seven years old. And I'm watching, that's one of my first memories is watching mm. fucking Star Wars in 70 millimeter on the biggest screen. You want to talk about rewriting your DNA. That's, that's <laughs> it. And I'm like going, I, I mean, it had such a profound effect. On me. Now, I still remember watching Empire with my grandpa the first time. And the moment happens, you know, pre-spoiler days. Mm. Uh, and the moment happens where he says, you know, no, I am your father. And I remember my jaw just hitting the ground. See, I don't remember that. I, I hate do. myself for that. I remember <laughs> it like plain as day, just going, just my brain just broke in half. My nine-year-old brain just broke in half. And, um, uh, and I saw return, you know, so I do have fond memories of all of them in the theater. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I just, you know, subjectively, I just have such a soft spot for the first one because it kicked off everything, and it just, if you were there, yeah, even as a kid, if you were there, it was such a cultural earthquake. Mm. The likes of which I don't think we've seen since. Not for a, not for an awfully long time. Maybe not since... maybe Marvel, but it took ten years and twenty one movies to do it. To do it, yeah. Whereas literally Star Wars came out of nowhere and was just, it just changed everything. It did. It, it was, it, it broke the earth in half. I'm not kidding, guys. You don't, if you weren't there, you don't know. It was, it was, it was, it came at a perfect time. There wasn't 8 million things to watch. There yeah. wasn't, you know, the movies were still well regarded back then. It did a special effects that nobody had ever seen before. It touched deep mythological you know it did it changed moments everything. in our psyches i mean everything it was the if you want to talk about the perfect storm the original star wars was the perfect storm as perfect as perfect can get and and, and you got to look back also i mean especially in america and i don't know how it was in britain but you know everybody was you know down because of watergate and the Soviet Union, and you know, there was inflation. And we're was, English. We're always down. That's true. <laughs> and it just, it just hit like, like a lightning bolt. I, I can't explain it if you weren't there, uh, more than I have. My words don't do it justice. It was just that big a deal, and it obviously because it continues to resonate forty some odd years later. Yeah. So. Going on to then, because you just briefly touched on the MCU then. So we have now, we've had the MCU, well, I say we've had the MCU. The MCU is still out there. And they have created a cinematic achievement from Iron Man to Endgame. Now we're on to Phase 4. And with Phase 4, we have had movies like Black Widow. And we have had The Ten Rings of Shang-Chi and... Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry, I'm trying to think that. I'm sure there's another one, but I can't remember what it is. That's how important they are. But we've just had Doctor Strange um, into the multiverse of madness. Mm-hmm. Now, we've both seen this, haven't we? Yes. Um, I wrote a review, which is on the last Um I was not massively impressed. I gave it a, a solid two out of five stars. Um, your take on it was a little different. I... Well, I, I think it was elevated by Sam Raimi's direction in general. Um, 
there's some things. One thing I really liked about it is that it made WandaVision better because right. they embrace that she is a villain. Right. We did not shy away, shy away from that. Yeah. And she took the next steps to being a full-blown villain. Now, you understand her motivations. You understand why she's doing what she's doing. And you can empathize with that, which makes her a more compelling villain than most of the mm -hmm. MCU. And I like the I like the weirdness. I wish there was more of it. Um, right. I, I wish they kind of went into more of that Jack Kirby nuttiness like they had one moment where they were going through all these different universes mm. like are, are we paint to one universe like yeah you don't want to be in that one yeah <laughs> you know it's difficult to eat yeah <laughs> yeah and they were in a cartoon universe and i but it was only for a second you know um there were some things that surprised me uh i and i guess we'll just say spoilers from here on out because i'm not going yes. to try to dance around it so you've been warned I don't uh, think you're, you're missing masses like with the spoilers and stuff, but yes, I mean, like I say, we are going to yeah. talk about spoilers. Um, I liked that the I thought the undead strange would be something they had to fight, and it was completely different than what I thought it was going to be. Mm. I did not expect that for whatever reason that it was actually just strange using a different strange as a meat puppet. Yeah. Uh, I like the weird. I like that he had a a a um, price third for that with the third eye. I don't know what that means, or if he's just got better vision now. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means he can't get glasses. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> those are some very very custom jobs for him. Yeah. Um, so those are the things I liked. Um, I didn't like that it wrapped up too neatly. Um, in a nice bow. Uh, everything kind of was a happy ending and it, it. And you say, well, Wanda, Wanda made the right choice and she destroyed the temple and all that. And you know, she's still alive. If you don't yeah, see her dead, she's alive. Nobody I think knows. somebody made, somebody made the comments on the last movie I posted that's all about that. They sort of said that with this whole multiverse and everything else that's going on now, there is no real stakes as such anymore because I, you know, when somebody dies, it's kind of like, Oh, they did, you know, type of thing. And I kind of disagree you know, with that. I, oh, okay. I, do, I do disagree with that. Um, I, I don't think there's enough money in the world to get what's his name? Um, Robert Downey Jr. Back. No. <laughs> Not after his fee for the last two. Oh, Maybe. Oh, there's always enough money. <laughs> there's always enough money. Um, especially if he keeps making movies that just aren't doing well. If he keeps making more Doolittles. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, but he doesn't I need to back. make any I want to be. I want to be Tony Stark again, please. <laughs> yeah, if he, if he wants to come back, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that... I just don't... I don't have... I know people say, oh, with the multiverse, but they're all the same and there's no stakes. I'm like, going, well, no, each one of these different ver variants of the character are different characters. And it's not like I haven't seen multi. I mean, one of the more popular version episodes of the original Star Trek was the mirror universe. Right. And then they did one called parallels, which had millions of universes, you know, parallel universes with different variations of, of yourself and all of them. And it isn't like it's a, 
a trope that we haven't seen before. Fringe had a whole, that whole series was about multiple universes and different versions of yourself. And so DC Comics has done it forever. Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth 3. But you are latched on to your universe, the 616 universe, how they're going to get out of it, even if they have to deal with other versions of themselves. They're still unique in their own way. I don't, I don't find it because they, they're, their life paths. I mean, in in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the the there was it really kind of centered around mm, two universes, maybe three, three different mm. universes. I would say, the one universe is the one that had the Illuminati and had the different variants. Like you had Captain Carter from the What mm. If, and you had uh, Black Bolt, and you had Charles Xavier, which yeah, Picard, you, you you liar, um, <laughs> you could have tried a little bit harder. You see, uh, uh, just just on that, just to briefly mention, see, somebody made the point that in No Way Home, you had different Spider-Mans from different universes. So you had Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. And in the multi and the um, animation they did as well, uh, I can't think what it was called, no, Spider-Man. The one Spider-Verse. That That's Spider-Verse, thank you. They had completely and utterly different you know, Spider-Man's a, a Porky Pig one, and, and, and but all they also had things. a Peter Parker one that was just no, but about the I'm, same as the other one. He just was fat and gone through. Yeah, but what the point the point I was going to make is is that it's then weird that we go to another universe where Xavier is played by the same guy, well, and also the Stephen Stranges are all the same as well. You know, played yes, by Benedict, but like the Captain Marvel wasn't. It was the. It was the. Yeah, but it was still. Yeah, but it was still strong, diverse Hayley. female character. Oh, well, uh, Captain. Marvel, sorry, I was going to say, but Captain America was still Haley Atwell, you know. And again, it was just kind of. Well, it that, was that was from the what if thing. I mean, you know, they're going to do some fan service. I don't blame them for that. I don't blame them for bring, if you're going to bring in Charles Xavier for one little cameo, then why wouldn't you bring in Patrick Stewart? Why wouldn't you? Unless you're planning to do something different long term. Now, maybe long term they're going to bring in another guy. Uh, I don't. I don't know who. But I mean, Patrick Stewart is is knocking on a bit. You know. So I mean, I know. You know. I know it's a not horrible thing that we have to think about, but he is going to pass away at some point in time, and so and so yeah, they are going to have to replace him. But I. I mean, to me, that whole bit. Where again, we're going into spoilers here on um, uh, with Doctor Strange. The, the bit where you had the Illuminati and you had these, you had Reed Richards and you had these others to me, a completely pointless scene because, again, spoilers, they all get killed in, in literally 10 minutes. And, uh, yeah. and not only not only killed, I mean, just like slaughtered within, you know, there's not, there's not really much of a scene for them to do anything, I didn't think. I do agree. I don't know if, I mean, if they're trying to show Wanda was, you know, super powerful, they already did that at Comertage. So yeah. they didn't really need to do it again. And I, I, I mean, as far as moving the plot along, I guess it was fine, but you really just needed her to appear and then Rachel McAdams rescue them and they go underwater and, you know, do that thing. You didn't yeah. need the Illuminati except for a bunch of, cameos so yeah i would say and that fan service and, and fan service, what i saw it i i i don't disagree with you there that was it was pointless because it didn't really mean anything to the overall story except hey look mm. maybe I, I it almost felt like focus group like let's see what kind of reaction we get with john krasinski as reed richards 
Mm. Let's see yeah, what kind yeah. of you know. And if it's really if it's really positive, then we'll do him with a Fantastic Four movie or something. That's what it felt see, like. Again, and with Reed Richards, you know, they're sort of saying, he keeps saying he's the most intelligent man on the planet. And I just immediately thought, right, he's going to take on Wanda. And he stretches towards her and gets killed. And I'm thinking, that's not very smart. I'm pretty dumb. And I would think to myself, if I was Bendy, I would be bending under a door away from all of the horrible, <laughs> you know. And I, again, it just, it didn't strike me. I, I, I mean, he's always been, to me, a character which has been... Really, he bends. That's his his thing. He's like Elastigirl. You know, well, I don't really his, see that. His stretchiness is, it is what it is. It's a dumb power, but he's got it, so that's what he is. His real superpower is that he's the uber super genius of all super geniuses. You know. Oh, okay. Right. That's really a superpower. So, but obviously not clever enough to realize that taking on a witch who can manipulate things with yeah, her well, mind. Our, our universe one will be better. The 616 one will be better. Just like Doctor Strange was better. He didn't try to kill the girl. And yeah, I, I didn't have a problem. By the way, I, I, I've heard all the this is MCU, more MCU. I didn't see it that way. I, I mean, I did love the Ferrera they... was more of a MacGuffin than a hero. Um. Yeah, I suppose. It, again, when she introduced herself, I think I said this in the review, that she introduced herself as America um, Chavez. I did think... Or Chavez, she's called Amer- what it was? I don't remember. Yeah, um, but she was she was called America, so Cap- Doctor Strange is saving America, and I thought... <laughs> and then when she said that she speaks Spanish and she's Chavez, and it was just kind of uh, ticking all the boxes, because our brains have now been programmed that way. I kind of hate the fact that I watch a modern movie and think... Oh right! How is this going to be woke? Whereas sometimes they've not done it for any do, reason whatsoever. Do you whatsoever. think it was woke? Do you think that? Sh- do you think the movie was woke? I I didn't. I love the fact. I love the fact that they race swapped Captain America, but they didn't. Oh, not race swapped. They they gender, gender swapped Cap- uh, Captain America, but they didn't gender swap Captain Marvel. <laughs> they did. No, they race swapped Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah. The Captain America. That is Peggy Carter. Again, is an it was on character. Yeah. It isn't just out of nowhere, and it they did set it up in What If, how that happened, and I like Peggy Carter. I like Haley Atwell as a character, so hmm. that one doesn't bother me. Like she, in a different universe, she ended up being Captain Carter instead because she had the big Union Jack on the shield and all that. Yeah. So I, I, you know, that to me is like a different character that just happened to get the super soldier serum instead of Steve Rogers. The the other Captain Marvel, I think that's supposed to be the one that they did in the 80s. Um, the black one that had light powers or something. I, I, I And they set her up in WandaVision already. So I think that was just a natural extension of her. Like she became the Captain Marvel in that universe. See, Monica Rambeau she, or... or you set her, she set her up... So, I'm just trying to think now. See, uh, it's keeping up with all of this stuff because I know, it's, it's a nightmare. yeah. So basically, the, uh, a black Captain Marvel was set up in Wonder Vision. A well, okay. So in the comics, you know, part of it, part of it is that I have a lot of history with the actual comics. Right. So I, you know, I don't. I, I'm completely blank with them. Contextually, it's easier for me to to pick out some of this stuff or to at yeah. least look it up because I remember some of this. Monica Rambo was a Captain Marvel in uh, right okay in the Avengers now, now you've said the, the name yeah right okay and she had like a light spectrum powers whatever and 
she was a fine character back in the day. I mean, there was nothing, you know, she happened to be black. It wasn't like her defining character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they set her up in WandaVision. She got that Monica <coughs> Rambo got those powers. And her mother, I don't know if, if this one was her mother or the Monica Rambo that we saw, but like a different version, a different universe that we saw right. in WandaVision, or if it was, I can't, I can't tell. I, I wasn't. She had on the her hair was different. She had on the helmet half the time, and I just don't feel like I got a good enough look at her to to tell whether it was which one of those it was. Um, and it you know makes sense that they you know I know everybody say oh you think all black people look like no they cast two <laughs> women that look very similar because they're mother and daughter okay yeah <laughs> I've had this problem with other characters as well white or whatever so I can you know st- stop you <clears throat> stop with the comments okay. Um, so I, I was like that, I, I guess that was fine. It didn't, you know, the whole Illuminati, I think bothered me because they were supposed to be this ultra, they were the Avengers of that earth. Yeah. And they were supposed to be the, you know, they were like kind of smug. It's like, oh, we can handle Wanda. We know. And they seem to because know what's I, going on. And then they just get their Thanos. asses handed to them. Yeah. They've beaten Thanos. Yeah. Somehow, you know, I mean, they said that this, oh no, because of course he, no, I was, I was entering spoiler territory there, which I'm, I was just going to pull myself back on. But yes, they've beaten Thanos in that universe as well. But then literally Wanda turns up and slaughters them. And like I say, it's not just a, you know, I didn't even think it was a particularly epic battle. It was a slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did enjoy, um, I did enjoy Xavier getting killed in the mind verse or wherever he was. Getting yeah. his neck snapped. She's so powerful. She could snap his neck in his mind, and he dies in real life. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. That's um, what happened in the Matrix. <laughs> yep. So, but I mean, it was a fight because we needed an action beat. It was not yeah. a fight that had any real purpose. So I, I agree. I think my wife fell asleep during that part. I, I again, the opening sequence where we first. Um, uh, what's his name? Strange is at um, Christine's wedding. Again, not saying that that was woke, but she was marrying a black guy. <laughs> you know, again, it's just a modern society. That's fine. But the whole then um, octopus with one eye thing who was chasing Chavez, I completely, I didn't check out, but the CG was just not good. Really? I didn't think. I, oh, yeah. I thought it was <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't say it was stand out or anything, but I didn't no. have any huge problems with it either. I, it, was, it was what, it was fine. It was good enough. Uh, I, 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 just, I didn't see anything that stuck out at me. Go, oh, that's bad. I did think that Scott Derrickson did a better job with the multiverse stuff in the original movie. The whole bit where they're running up the buildings and then and oh, all and that kind mirror, of thing in the mirrorverse, yeah, <laughs> yeah, mirror yeah well, that kind of or whatever the hell that. that I think was done so much better. Whereas this, I was looking at it and because it was like a big giant thing with one eye, I immediately was thinking of the suicide squad. (laughs) And also I just thought the whole, the whole CG of that moment, I just don't know. It just didn't, it wasn't, it was, it was all too perfect. You know, in the original Avengers, when, when Loki opens up that portal and, and, and the Shatari come through and stuff, it feels real and it feels like something that has actually happened. Whereas this opening sequence, I was just like, no, nah, I'm not buying it. It's too, it's too clean. It's you think that's perfect. a pandemic holdover and timing and all that? I don't know. Whether it was, I mean, 
you can kind of direct action or you can't. And I'm not saying that Rami can't because he is great and he's, you know, but I mean, to me, his style of like the evil dead is completely different then to something like this, which is much more big budget and much more CG and that kind of thing. And so whether it was just like you say, just missing a few beats here and there that just, I don't know, didn't sit with me. It just, it didn't sit with me. I, you know, the way you talk about that, and I think back on the movie, I I love the Raimi bits. Like, there's one bit where it fades from one to the other around the silhouette of Wong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It had moments that was a Raimi kind of moment like that where he cuts in different bits that he, you know, you can kind of see those Spider-Man touches. And he brought in Danny Elfman. Um, there was those, those kinds of things that I really liked that gave it, a little bit more interesting photography and editing than, you know, a typical Marvel movie that I think he was head and shoulders mm. above Scott Derrickson. But when you get into the actual mm. Doctor Strange stuff, the weirdness, I, it almost felt like like he had one hand held behind his back. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like, you know, OK, we're going into a weird dimension here. Oh, it's just got a lot of flowers, I guess. Oh, we're going to the the dimension where there was an incursion. We have kind of an evil Doctor Strange. Mm. And it looks kind of drab. I mean, you got some floating buildings, but overall you just feel like they're on a set. You know, there's nothing much there. Now, I did love the fight between him and the evil Strange where they were using musical notes. I thought that was cool. I love that. I, I thought it was. I thought it was so weird and bizarre. I was like, "That's fun. That's cool." It, it's kind of. I think again. I mentioned this in in the review that again, Iron Man is based in a reality which could happen. You know, the Iron Man, he could he could build. Oh, an they, they flush that shit down the toilet a long time. Ago, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean, with that, like I say, that for for me, this then took it that that bit too far and funny enough i I completely forgot about that musical bit i did roll my eyes and sort of think yeah this is a good sort of trope to have in a movie but at the same time it's it's kind of ridiculously not real well here's here's the problem i i didn't i love the idea of them using because it's that's the kind of Jack Kirby weirdness that I was looking for. Okay. Okay. So, th- see, so there you go. You, you've yeah. already established there that you've had, you've, yeah. you've kind of seen nothing. I wasn't expecting that kind of thing. And so for me, it was much more of a shock. If you've ever read the old Doctor Strange comics, they go into real psychedelic nonsense. It's, <laughs> it's great. I mean, the artistry is great and everything else. But my problem with the fights, and this is the same with, with that fight, the same with the Illuminati fight, is that it was it was just a quick obstacle you knew he had to get past, right? Yeah. There was no doubt that he was going to win that fight. Just Mm. like, it was like watching him and Mordo when they didn't have any powers because they both had on the handcuff thing. And so Mm. they're just punching each other and doing some weird parkour in that trench in the room. I was just, I was just like, get on with it, you know? And I felt that a little bit the same in that fight. Now, what made it interesting was all the weirdness with musical notes and the harp and all that kind of stuff. I love that part of it. The problem is it's wasted on a fight that I just, it doesn't have any. There's no threat or, or, yeah, sort of end basis. It's just, you feel like you're treading water. And And I think as we talk through this, I think that's the biggest problem with this movie is that there's so many moments that you're just treading water mm. to get to the next scene to keep things moving. 
again, that's exactly what I found with a lot of the plot exposition. That obviously plot exposition has to go on, but I felt it was very much Wong needs to now explain you know, what's going on here. And then so one would explain that. And then somebody else needs... And again, I felt there were very much... There was no flow in it that I've seen before. It was kind of a... This scene is now set up because we need to explain why this character is doing this. And I, it just... You know, whether, you know it, 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 I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm thinking through this as you're talking. You're kind of yeah. igniting synapses in my brain. Um, the beginning... Sorry, I think the beginning up through Carmitage was great. You you have okay. he, he, you find out what where Strange is in his life. Yeah. You find out she's getting love like she's yeah. You know, and how he's dealing with being alone and you know he's not the sorcerer supreme anymore. He doesn't mm. bow to Wong. They have this fight, they find the the girl. Now they escalate to Carmitage. First you find out that it's Wanda. He goes to Wanda first. Okay, so they have the fight with the with the opt- octopus monster. Then he goes to Wanda, yeah. finds out yeah. what the, what's going on with Wanda that she's the villain. Then it goes to Kamatash, and you get to Kamatash, and I feel like I've watched an entire crescendo, you know, climax of a three act film in that first in act. That, yeah, right. And then they go to the other dimension, and now it's almost like you've started over, and everything resets. In a weird because then way. they've got to, yeah yeah they've got to go through the and you now, know and now you're like going oh god I, you feel like oh god we gotta start this whole fucking thing over again almost and that's I think that's what I think that's what I what you're seeing and I think that's where or at least that's what I think I'm seeing listening to you talk about what you saw again the whole it, it just got to me that when they got to that new dimension they stood on that thing where it kind of gave you your most precious oh, yeah, memory the dumbest fucking thing in the entire movie. and again that was nothing but plot exposition you know that you had to you had to put in the fact that she had two mothers again let's not say it was woke but you know she had two mothers and then she got stunned by the bee and she opened the portal and she lost her two mothers and then that's what sucked her through and everything else but again it was kind of the whole machine just absolutely made zero sense to me because I, I said in my review that, you know, imagine you stand on it and it's your most precious memory. It's the first time you got off with your nan or something or whatever it is, but everybody around can see it going, oh, really? You know, and it was just, you know, when she stood on it and everything else, people weren't walking by going, what the hell was that? What, you know, did you just see that? She just opened it, you know, and, and, and people just carried on walking by. And like I say, it was nothing there but a plot exposition. That is somebody trying to be too clever by half. <laughs> They're trying to say, look, exposition is boring. We can't just have somebody just tell what her family is and do, and do a flashback or something like that. We're going to come up with this because they're, they're in a different dimension, so let's have some fun with it. Let's do a memory machine. And I think, I think there's something to somebody trying something that they thought might be a little weirder, might be a little bit more interesting, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work yeah. at all. It's a, it was a, I applaud them for trying something different, but that doesn't mean it was successful. <laughs> in, in the future, just have the actor telling the story and let them. I would have been fine well. with it, narrating a flashback. I would have been fine with that. Yeah. Um, and, but again, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, actors have, talked about i mean just this is completely springing to my mind but the story of when phoebe cates tells about what happened to her father in gremlins 
You know, there's no flashback to that, but it's oh, a wonderful... Oh, what? Wouldn't it have been awesome if there was? <laughs> Santa Claus with his neck broken, stuck in a chimney. <laughs> but again, it's, you know, that that scene really sticks with you because Phoebe Case does a great job with telling that story, and that's kind of all you needed. You didn't need somebody to stand on this machine to then show the entire world what happened to you as a kid with your mum's disappearing. Yeah. It was... I think that I think the visual was fine. I, I was but, fine with the visual scene in explaining where she'd been. The method mm. of seeing the visual, that stupid memory machine, was dumb <laughs> as shit. So, Mannix has just made a good point there. First of all, he says at least it wasn't too far. There's, it could have been Mannix, but he also said showing one uh, the past of the main character is not really super new though. And again, that's something else. I'm kind of. Get, I'm not getting bored with, but there was something else I watched the other day. I can't think what it was now, but it was it was like a um, a murder mystery or something. Oh no, I think it might have been um, oh what's it called, um, Poirot, um, Death on the Nile, the new Death on the Nile. And again, you kind of had to have this backstory of you know how he knew this and how he knew that and how he fell in love and how he grew his moustache. And it's just kind of seriously, can't we just have people who were good at their like, job, like Solo? You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, just there are people who are just good at their job. There's, there's no, there's no underlying flashbacks that we have, which then build up to the crescendo where it helps them solve the case. They just happen to be good at it. You know, everybody has to have a backstory now, which um, enhances them to make. And it's kind of no, we don't need that anymore. Like I say, showing the main characters, you know, past. It, you know, it could have just been the fact that it was a complete and utter accident, and she ended up in the multiverse. That was it. Let me take a devil's advocate view here for you, for you, just to just to get your opinion. I was listening to um, Call Me Chatbo, and he did an interview with that's that Hollywood exec that is doing these. Oh things. yeah, yeah. It's recently become kind of popular. Yeah. Anyway, he did a um, he did a an interview with Vic Manmium. I can't pronounce his last name. But he was the guy that did the Star Trek Continues, which is a YouTube show of about 10 or 12 episodes of a fan-made Star Trek project. But it's really well done, really well written. And you could call it a season four of Star Trek, the original series that kind of works its way towards uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, The point being is that he said that he wanted to that in the 60s, James Kirk was a hero who was very good at his job, but you, if you think about it, you really don't know that much about him. He wasn't, he wasn't very human in the show in some ways. Um, he made good decisions, and he knew what he was doing, and, and he certainly was well-acted, and he was a strong character. But in, in Star Trek Continues, he wanted to humanize him a little bit, and part of that was going through some of his past and not like his childhood, but like some of the things that happened in the past episodes of the original series and things like that and what motivated him. And that made him more relatable. And I thought about that. And I thought about, you know, we don't really get to know Jim Kirk as a person Hmm. until the movies in, in the movies, in the first movie, we find that he has, he wants to get back into the captain's chair after being an admiral writing a desk for two years. And he pulls some somewhat shaky ethically uh, moves to get himself back in the captain's chair to be 
um, to, to take on feature. Then in the second movie, you know, we really get into him being older and, you know, all that kind of stuff. The third movie, we'll find out that his friends are what really motivates him more than even being a mm. captain, you know. Uh, the fourth movie, we see him um, struggling to get, you know, his family back together and to get past, you know. We, we see that motivation of him trying to reconnect with Spock and, and those kinds of things. Fifth movie went into a little bit of his past, and uh, you know, why does God need with the starship? And, uh, and then the sixth movie, it was his hatred of Klingons because they killed his son. So all six of those movies dealt in with Kirk as a person, which could be argued doesn't happen very much in the original series. And in order to do that, you have to understand his past and you have to understand his motivations. Now, the good thing about how they did that was that we understood Kirk's motivations because we saw it happen in previous episodes or previous movies. Mm. We saw his son get killed in Star Trek Three. We now know why he's motivated to hate Klingon so much in Star Trek Six, right? Because we've seen all that. If I'm hearing you correctly, it's more like you're taking an established character and then you're shoehorning in like Han Solo, <laughs> right? <clears throat> Uh, I wouldn't say shoon owning him, but what I'm saying is, is, I mean, listening to you talk about like the original Star Trek series, you didn't need to know Kirk's motivation for being a captain. He was just him and the crew were out exploring the universe and they were meeting different planets and different aliens. And that was kind of it. Whereas I think with like the modern Star Treks, it seems to be that everybody's on the, it wasn't in discovery that somebody was saying that everybody's on the, the enterprise for a reason. And it's because of their past and all this kind of thing. They've all got to share their feelings and everything else. And it's not kind of just, I think with, with a lot of problems, not just this, but like with strange and everything else, there's always kind of, you can't just have somebody just doing their job. Like in the original Star Trek series, you had a group of, people that were just going along and doing their job now you have to have people doing their job but this person's doing their job because their father died when they were six and this person's doing their job because their dog got run over and it's kind of like all these people have got to have now backstories which have got to be expanded upon and it's just kind of we don't need it you could you could just literally just have the characters doing their job yes however in star trek the next generation you definitely got to know those characters as humans as well as now they didn't have all, you know, tragic backstories. You know, I think Riker yeah. was in a fight with his father, just didn't get along with them, which they kind of resolved. And you knew a little bit about Picard's past. You got to know his past, especially in the fabulous episode called tapestry, where we find out how he got his heart. I mean, we knew it cause he told the whole story, but they kind of, he tried to change that and it changed him from the man he was into a kind of a, a guy who was afraid to take chances. So, I mean, there was a humanization that happened in the next gen that wasn't really there in the original series. Now, I understand, you know, that storytelling from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, it matured over time. Characters, you know, the way we wrote characters mm. and everything all matured different, you know. So some of that was just, that's the times we lived in, Right. That's why they wrote Star Trek the way they did in 1966. But I guess, I guess, I, I'm, you know, because it's easy to say, oh, they're just trying to be woke or they're lazy and everything else. And I guess I'm trying to say, well, I, is it 
that they're trying to humanize these characters a little bit, but they just are not skilled enough as screenwriters to do it properly. Mm. Is is that the the conclusion that maybe we're reaching here? I I guess so. Like I say, back in the day, again, nobody thought in the original Star Trek of sort of saying, okay, you know, Kirk and his dad had, had, had you know, got into a fight and blah, 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 whatever it might be that, you know, that might have happened. It was just about the storytelling of what was going to happen with each episode. Right. There was no kind of... An, another thing that happens with a lot with these series nowadays is that you've got an eight-part series, whatever it is. It all leads to somewhere. Whereas with Star Trek, that kind of... The original Star Trek, there was never kind of like a plan of, of an arc of, you know, we've met this guy in the first episode, but in the last episode, he's got to come back and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. Again, Lost. we do live in... That really screwed up TV. <laughs> yeah. But, but again, with it, it's kind of... You know, I, I just miss the days of just the, just the plain old storytelling of just, you know, this is this is the story. I don't need to hear about the backstory. Like I say with Solo, I don't need to know about Han's background and everything else. It was just Han was a character we got introduced to in A New Hope and he was great and we loved him and he had Chewie and he had the Falcon and that was it. You don't need to hear about the backstory about how he got there and, you know, his best friend shot him and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. It's just, but we seem to these days, it all seems to have, you know, we all, everybody needs to be carrying around emotional baggage as they're going on their adventures. And I just don't think, I don't think it's necessary. Do you think some of that's on us to a certain extent? And I don't mean you and me specifically, but just <laughs> this, um, I mean, I think, all of us have been guilty, especially in the 90s and 2000s, the early rise of the internet, of deifying all these characters, maybe well, more not so just than that. we should have. And now that that group not of just writers that, but is also, taking that in there. I think with like social media, everybody has to share everything. Yeah. You know, that if you've had a traumatic childhood, you've got to share that online and tell people that you've had a traumatic. And again, it's kind of, you know, no offense to you people, but I don't care. You know, I've had a difficulties growing up in my childhood but i don't need to feel the need to share it with everybody it's and again it like i say yeah i think the the society in which we live and the writing that we see within movies and everything else has changed and i don't see it for the better you know i'm quite happy to just enjoy a good character for a good character i don't need to know their backstory about what they do and haven't had in the past and and how they've grown up yeah i i I'm in general agreement with you here. I'm kind of, like I said, I'm kind of taking some devil's advocate because I just, it's so easy to say, oh, they're lazy, they're woke. That's all you have to think. That's, you know, and we just move on. And we just dismiss all this crap because of that. And I think some of it is that. Some mm. of it is laziness and wokeness. But I think there's, you know, I listen, when I listen to Vic talk about how he was, he was deifying James Kirk. He saw him as a father figure because he didn't have a dad when he was growing up and he discovered Star Trek in an apartment with his mom and James Kirk meant a lot to him in those early days. Mm. And um, and and I think his take on the character was great. I think he did a good job. But I think that there's others and, and you know, the reasons why that's something we probably sh well, we're not going to figure out on this stream, but I think there's others that <laughs> Either misunderstand the character or or take too many of their own insecurities and, and 
problems and put them into the character so that they become more relatable to that person instead of understanding what made the character relatable in the first place. I mean, with it though, it's kind of coming back to coming back to strange that the whole the whole thing of this 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 memory thing that they stand on and everything else. How many people are going to identify with America Chavez, you know, for what happened to her in that past? You know, you know, I I didn't have two mums. Um, I don't remember them ever getting sucked into a portal into the multiverse. Uh, you know, and all this kind of thing. Where you did know, you grow up, and, man? <laughs> In England, portals yeah. um, <laughs> all over the place here. And but with it, I mean, like I say, it's kind of yes, I can understand to a certain extent that if if somebody has had an abusive father and then they see a character who's had an abusive father, they can identify with that character, and then that character overcomes things and stuff. I can completely get that. But what I'm saying is, is this particular character of American Chavez in in um, Doctor Strange, there was nothing about her backstory that kind of thought you know it doesn't identify with anyone <laughs> you know nobody got stung by a bee and opened a portal to another world so i mean again it was just kind of i don't know it it, it was, was a scene that it was a scene that completely missed me you know it really oh, here's, a, here's a question for you she's the only one in all the entire multiverses does is that a special snowflake thing She's the only person. She's the only America Chavez in all of the multiverse. Remember, because she says, "Oh yeah," she says she's looked for others and she couldn't she find them. She can't find any, and that they don't exist except for her. Special right. Snowflake? Again, well, again, I don't know whether you'd say Snowflake or not. I suppose, but again, I. It was weird that she sort of said that she'd been to seventy-two different multiverses and she'd looked around and stuff. And to me, when it was kind of like they were looking for the Stephen Strange in in her universe or in the universe they were her and Doctor Strange were in, they were just literally walking to where his museum was. And I'm thinking, right, so how much have you actually searched these other well, universes? Well, there was a reason why she she said that. If you remember, and I'm, I was curious what you thought of this. Your dreams are what's happening to other cells and other oh, okay. universes, right? Right. So, so she says she doesn't dream. But how does she know that? I suppose strange. Well, the, I one think of the Wong, other Wong made made a point of it. It's like, yeah, if you, uh, so like, so that dream where you're you're naked in front yeah, of your can, butt, it's right. like, yeah, that happened somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I that that was that was actually the most disconcerting thing of all the weirdness I saw. It's like, ugh, I don't want to even don't talk about, about the shit that happened in my dreams. I actually dreamed the other day. This is just just off that subject. I met Elon Musk and I asked him for money and he he wrote me out a check and I thought, oh, this is going to be great because I can actually pay off all my debts and everything. Else. It was for two thousand dollars and I was really angry at him to think to myself, oh, you've got all that money and you gave me two thousand dollars, you tight bastard. <laughs> hey, he didn't anyway. he didn't get the richest man in the world by giving it away, you know. <laughs> Um, anyway. uh, Zap says we're forgetting Journey to Babel from TOS. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that they never went into some character. In fact, Spock got a lot more character moments, which is why he was so more much more popular. Because you, him being an alien, you could delve into a lot of different things with him that I don't think generally happened in the rest of the with the rest of the cast. I mean, certainly you didn't know you didn't even know Yohara's first name until. It finally went canon in 2009, and you only knew it from books or something. I mean, we didn't know shit about that woman or Chekhov. 
knew very little about Sulu. He was the only one that got a little bit of development by being a captain. Scotty, he he was just drunk most of the time. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying... Are you saying, saying all character... Scottish people drink? How dare you? Yeah, well... <laughs> yes. Uh, the... <laughs> Uh, I mean, the next gen cast all got fleshed out for the most part, and we got to know them. We got to know, you know, especially guys like Worf and even Jordy to a certain extent. Um, Data, of course, Riker, Picard, um, Troy, Crusher. They all they all got growth over the course of the series in one form or another. Some more than others, of course, but. It, it that didn't really happen in the original series. It didn't start happening to the movies where there, and you know, you're saying, well, there was Journey to Babel. Well, that doesn't really blow my entire thesis out of the water. It was one episode that kind of went into a little bit of Spock's past, and that was about it. <coughs> we are needlessly getting off topic as per usual. I think it's fascinating um, as we've gone down some of these roads, actually. We're, we're going to get back on track. Um, you say this, NGO, but you are not criticizing aliens because of their flat characters. It's, I've seen... It's not that it's flat characters. I've just seen characters developed much better without knowing all of their history and everything else. And that, that one particular scene in Doctor Strange, again, just sat back... I sat there rolling my eyes at the two mums, and I was rolling my eyes at the whole fact that all these people are walking past, watching her, you know, treasured memory, and it was just kind of... and it didn't really explain about what memories it was digging up because apparently to her, it was kind of the worst memory she had of losing her mums. So, so, Oh, we've recorded that onto, um, onto DVD for you. So you can record, you can, you can live it forever and ever and ever. And it's like, no, oh, goodness me. Um, anyway, so what happens then after that? So a then muck, they find time did not shoehorn in a character's backstory that much zap. Now I know how Sean feels when we talk about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can we are staying on topic. Covered. I can do both, right? We are we are sticking on topic with Doctor Strange. So basically, um, Wanda or Scarlet Witch, as she's now known, because she says Wanda doesn't exist anymore, wants America uh, Chavez so that she can steal her power, so that she can head to a new universe where her kids are still alive. And that's kind of all she wants, really. Like you say, there's there's a good motivation for the bad guy that, you know, she just wants to have her kids that are alive, uh, alive again. You can kind of sympathize with her. You can. Um, I think that... The, I think that the problems I had with Wanda is when they correctly pointed out some flaws in her plan what are you gonna do <laughs> yeah. you gonna just wipe out the woman that that is their mother yeah how, how, you know what do you what about them what about that woman i mean and she wouldn't answer it and she just didn't want to think about it until it until it was right in her face you know and and the kids were frightened of her didn't see her as mm. her the mother they saw her as a monster hurting their that, w- that was that was quite well done i thought i, I, I thought was quite so handled and that the wand of that universe said, I couldn't make out what she said, but I think it had something to do with forgiveness. Um, and, you know, I kept root. I, I do root for Wanda. And, you know, I think Elizabeth Olsen plays her well. Mm. And I think she's been, she has had the most shit happen to her over her life. So mm. this, this step 
it, it, this next step in her character feels genuine to me, especially after the events of WandaVision. And I did like that they did not shy away from WandaVision. They said that it was bad. Yeah. Like, in fact, everybody else, the problem I have with WandaVision is really how everybody else is reacting. It's like, oh, you sacrificed so much, Wanda. And the writers are saying, no, she's a fucking villain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's completely psychotic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Doctor Strange is like not mad. Nobody seems to be mad at her about this whole mess. And then it turns out, no, she really is a villain. And, uh, this is one case where the writers are actually smarter than the people in universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they're all wanting to forgive her. And, you know, we know how much you sacrificed and then they're all being nice to her. And it's like, <coughs> no, no, we're going to make her full on villain. I mean, she killed a lot of people. I don't know. I think there is a redemption that can happen with her, but I hope they, they make it tough and I hope they make it, Somehow she has to save the multiverse. I mean, she's she's obviously the most powerful person in the MCU right now. Mm. I don't, I don't think even Captain Marvel could match her. Well, we saw if assuming that the Captain <laughs> yeah. Marvel and the Illuminati verse was had the same powers as the one in our universe, we're going to say nope. She's going to yep. kick her ass. So. So with it then, I mean, another thing that we didn't touch on from the whole point uh, from the beginning was, is the end of No Way Home. He seems to tear these realities apart, but that's not even, that's barely even touched upon in this, is it? You know, it's literally sort of like, oh, that was months ago. Yeah, I'm... So whether they're going to then try and sort of do another Spider-Man, whether he, he, he has to deal with those kind of things or something, or... I think, well, first of all, I, okay, so there's several things here that I think they're laying the groundwork for. One, you had Loki splitting up all the timelines, which will start up a big multiverse again. That, yeah. That's, that's that part. They've been, No Way Home showed that there are multiverses out there, and they all are somewhat different, and that was an excuse to bring in the, the different Spider-Man from the past few um, the, the the Raimi and the Andrew Garfield. Yeah. And now you have the multiverse of madness and, and that kind of stuff. So they're setting up this whole multiversal war kind of thing going on. Um, I think the pandemic kind of wrecked these two movies because I think that multiverse of madness was supposed to come out first. But it was shooting in the middle of the pandemic, whereas No Way Home kind of shot closer to the end of the pandemic and was able to get done faster. And so I think what was supposed to happen is that Multiverse of Madness was doing its thing. And once it got done, that the whatever he'd learned or whatever happened would have led into the multiverse in Spider-Man No Way Home. And I think since those two got swapped, that sw broke. And they've, because you, you can kind of see some, like you, you said it yourself in the in the in Multiverse of Madness, they kind of hand wave what happened in No Way Home, and in Spider Man, I feel like the whole memory thing for a multiverse, they don't, those two don't mesh to me. Like like it's waving away everybody's memory creates holes in the multiverse. I don't I don't see that connection there. 
and that feels like something they hastily wrote to to make Spider-Man work. I think the problem that they've got now is is that they have created something which they can't not contain as such but it's it's sort of kind of, it makes me think of like back to the future how with back to the future don't get me wrong brilliant film love it but if you think about the science too much none of it makes sense you know the whole none of none of it makes any sense whatsoever that's a very lighthearted adventure i mean no, you're, no, no, you're, you're no, no, time no, no, machine it, is a fucking delorean obviously yeah, they're not I, taking I this shit seriously i know but what i'm saying is 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 with this like multiverse now they've kind of opened this can of worms where they're kind of like right no wait so we can have um, him from from this place but if he sneezes that means that yeah and it's kind of they've created this thing now it's kind of almost like as well maybe like with george lucas with the whole trying to do the prequels and everything else that he tried to write how Anakin became Vader, but it was—it just seemed too complicated for him, and he—he kind of just failed in 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 the execution of it. And I think this whole multiverse now, because it is so unbelievably complicated, I just don't see how anybody is going to sit there and sort of say, "Do you know what? Right, this is what needs to happen, and everything else for it to make any kind of logical sense." There's always going to be massive holes that you're going to be able to pick in it. Yeah, and I'm willing to accept some of that. I mean, I think it's just a hazard of trying to write this kind of stuff. Um, I, I do think there is some, like, in Endgame, they went back in time, but in order to go back in time, what you're really doing is going to a different universe, technically, right? And then they had to collapse all the branches of the universe back into one. That's when Cap went back and put the stones back where they, so it wouldn't change time, but then they, they had a different technically a different Thanos come through into our universe or into our time. Yeah. Yeah. And now you have a different, uh, Gamora running around. Who's not essentially the same character, but kind of the same character. And is that a multiverse or is that something else? Or, you know, so I don't think they've really answered that very well. And they've complicated it with Loki. Now, Dr. Strange and no way home. So I don't, I don't, I, I even to a certain extent, Shang Chi, because there were some questions about the rings and where they came from and whether they yeah. in our universe. So maybe they have a plan. I don't know. Um, like I said, I was pleased. <laughs> in, in fifteen films' time, they're going to say something yeah. and go, "Oh, that's why the strange was I don't right." Know if okay, I'll be, no, I got it now. I, I don't know if I'll be dead by the time they actually wrap all this <laughs> up or not. Uh, I do think, like. WandaVision, I was disappointed in the end because it made her seem like a hero. And instead, with Multiverse of Madness, they said, no, she's not a hero. She's a villain. Mm. She's a broken person. You understand her motivations. You have some sympathy and all that stuff. But she's a villain. She's a bad guy. And she's taken that next step from what she did in WandaVision to now just fucking just outright killing people. So I appreciate that. I, I, like I said, it made WandaVision better. So maybe they have some plans that I need to let the whole thing kind of work its way out. But there are is a lot it kind of, of one of those? I was gonna say, yeah. Is it one of those scenarios where it's like, no, don't think about it too hard. Don't, don't, don't think about it too yeah, hard. It's, All right, it's like, you know, it's, it's like just Austin Powers. It's like, oh, there's a lot of time stuff, and just don't think about it too hard. And so he looks right <laughs> at the audience, goes. And that goes for you, too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it, again, it seems like they are creating a, 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 like I say, a beast which they can't just seem to control and that you are going to need 
an incredible amount of writers that and people that are going to pick up on it and sort of say, right, no, hang on a minute, this needs to happen. No, 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 you know, because back in back in 2005, we said this, so that's got to happen and that kind of thing. You've got to have somebody who can stay on top of all of the sort of tendrils that are flapping if, around. If they get writers that will concentrate on the details mm. and, and really concentrate on character building and that kind of stuff, and if Disney wises up and says... I don't care about current day politics anymore. This is our bread and butter and you're going to make it work and you're not going to put in all this. Cause it was, it was greatly That's a reduced. Big if. The message, <laughs> no more the message. That's, the message was greatly if. reduced in this movie. I'm not yes. saying it wasn't there. I'm not saying it wasn't there. I said it was reduced. <laughs> you had one moment where she had her two mothers. That was the worst. Thing. No, no. Like I say, you gender swap Captain America. That, that, see, I see that as different universe, trying different things, and with an established <laughs> character that I like. I don't, I'm sorry, that's not, I no, don't the, think it's the I same I will thing. admit that the what if of that was good in yeah. the way that it was done. You know, the like say that what if, you know, the machine is all there, ready to go, but, you know, he, and not, what's his name? Steve does get in it. No. It's no, that Carter. is different. She's British, she has a Union Jack flag. I mean, she's not a Captain America. She's Captain Britain, goddammit. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want? You should be happy about that. You no. get representation. <laughs> England's I'm... finally getting representation in the MCU. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> You'd think I'd be proud of the British flag, but I'm really not. Apparently um... not. Goddamn, where's your patriotism? <laughs> Fuck. Was she Captain America? Well, no, Manning's because you know she did have the the, the English she's flag Captain on the shield. Carter. That's, her, that's how she, that's how she was designated Captain in the what if thing. Um, and and the I like Haley Atwell. I'm not gonna lie, I like her. Haley Atwell in that outfit is is not something bad. that is not dis, does not disappoint. No. <laughs> I just um, I didn't see Captain Carter as woke. Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau. That is iffy. That could go either way. That's that's iffy. I, I I'll be honest with you. I thought Mordo in this was absolutely useless and was not necessary, and just gave him a chance to do a silly fight. It meant nothing because we hadn't really resolved anything in the six one six universe. Is Mordo? We have no idea where he's at. So all of that was just dumb. It just that that was just useless. And I really like Chawatel Ijafor. I've liked him ever since he I is. saw him in Firefly or Serenity. He's unfortunately one of those names which is always always comes out it's different a mouthful, every time. Ain't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. You know, yeah, the guy from Firefly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, overall, I still think that the movie was very just mildly below average. Um, I certainly don't think it was one of the best MCU movies, which I've oh, seen comments no. flying around on um, Twitter and so forth. It was. It was entertaining. I, I mean, I must admit, I went in very negatively, ultimately, because I just, I kind of didn't, I wasn't bothered about seeing it. But I knew we were talking about it today. I had a gift voucher, which I had to use up. So I thought, well, why not? And from that respect, I'm, I'm sort of pleased, you know, that I, I did go and see it. And like I say, it was, it was entertaining, but it just wasn't, 
it's 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 time for the whole MCU to just slowly wind down for a bit, give itself a bit of time, just have a break for a bit, and then come back with something new. <laughs> you fool! Uh, <laughs> you naive fool! Uh, that 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 turnip is going to get all of its blood squeezed out of it, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I I was I was more optimistic mostly because I want I like Sam Raimi. I wanted to see a Sam Raimi movie, and I think I'm a I'm somewhat disappointed because I don't think I got. I think I got half I just, of half of a Sam Raimi movie. I was just going to say, where would you put this on the, in the sort of Sam Raimi um, one to ten list, sort of thing? About a five. About a five, because half of it was clearly MCU nonsense, um, trying to build up things, work us into the next movie. Um, the you know the this the. The, the the little jokes and the little, you know, snips snipping at each other and and all that kind of stuff. Um, some of the Sam Raimi touches were in there, and I really liked it. But in all, you kind of like. In the end, when you really break it down for all the visual weirdness, and there was some, it really is kind of a paint by numbers adventure, and some mm. of the fights and everything just kind of dragged it. Down. They they just happened. They happened, and they didn't yeah. really add to the story. And in the end, you kind of knew where it was going to go. I there were things I liked, and there were things I thought were kind of cool, but it it didn't really do anything to stand out. I, I agree with you; it didn't do anything to stand out above any other MCU movie, and maybe a little bit below. It got seventy five percent, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. I think the audience was somewhere around the same. Funny enough, I've spoken to a few friends who have been to see it, and they all said that they they really enjoyed it. And then we've discussed it, and I've kind of I don't want to say drag them down to my viewpoint, but um, you know, I just sort of said it was perfectly average. You know, it like was. I say, that was you it know, was it a, was there was there was nothing outstanding, but there was nothing completely bland about it. It was just somewhere slap bang in the middle. It, it had a few mom like one or two moments. Sam Raimi weirdness moments that kind of poked their head above just for a second, just for a minute or two. And then it went back down and then it just became, you know, regular. it's not as if though, it's not as if they were going to let him evil dead it though, was it? Well, they did. They did get the, uh, he did get his moment to yank an eyeball out of something. He loves yes. doing that kind of stuff. So the eyeball um, came out of the big creature. That was fun. I was just going to say stab him through the eyeball. I had to yank the eyeball of the stock out of the creature. I like that. I was going to say, if you're going to rate it as a Sam Raimi movie, where would you put it in in between Spider-Man Two and Oz and, and the Great and Powerful? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got the two mixes there of probably his best movie yeah, and then probably I, I his worst one. Right, I would put it right in between, <laughs> probably. Um, yeah. Closer to the Oz, the Great and Powerful than Spider-Man Two. Um, I mean, I like Drag Me to Hell better. And yeah. And of course, Evil Dead Two and things like that. But it's it's adequate. It's kind of funny how with like Evil Dead, he in Evil Dead he had the chance to, you know, he had the money and everything else, but he kind of just was let let loose to do what he wanted. 
And when he does that, he is brilliant at it. But when you have got, when you are working for Disney and you're working for Marvel, that, you know, they can't just let somebody off the range and say, here's the money, go and make a film, bring it back to us 18 months, all finished. You know, they are going to have that creative control over it. And kind of, it's a kind of a shame like with Ant-Man that it wasn't made by Edgar Wright because I would have loved to have seen what Edgar Wright would have done with, with Ant-Man, but there was creative differences, which means he fell out the project. The same with um, Colin Trevorrow over Star Wars and all these kind of things that the, you know, they have these creative differences and you kind of wonder what could have been if Disney wasn't in charge. Well, I mean, you know, they were, they were trying some different things, especially in phase one and, and a bit in phase two. I mean, winter soldier, I still think is, the tops of all of them and through the three phrases they were trying out different things they knew that they wanted to go they had a plan and it, and it all worked now it's a giant machine collapsing under the weight of its own cannon and and i think they are trying to do different things with the multiverse but they they just are it's just this lumbering giant machine and a guy like sam raimi i don't think he can do whatever he wants because yeah. It has to fit in all this other stuff, and it's just, it's, you know, this is this is why I was on board. You guys weren't, I don't think, but this is why I was on board with the removal of the Star Wars canon when The Force Awakens came out, to mm. dump everything but the movies, mm. and maybe uh, I think the animated Clone Wars show at the time, because it was just it was just so much. And trying to yeah. fit into that, you know, it just collapses under its own weight. Now, if you if if I had known that they would replace it with much much worse, <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course, yeah. But I don't think that the decision was wrong at the time. And I think with the MCU, honestly, you know, I mean, they're they they are where they are now. They got to finish up this Phase Four stuff and have the multiversal war, whatever's going to happen there. Kang, I don't know, whatever's going to happen. But after that, they should call it quits and reboot the whole fucking thing mm. and do it with with the X-Men, maybe, and, and the Fantastic Four. Maybe do it, you know, kind of get back to its roots, have the Fantastic Four be the first movie, then a Spider-Man, then a and then an X-Men, you know, kind of kind of go along the way the 60s did, bring out Thor and Hulk later and, instead of earlier. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just saying that getting back to basics and. Just reboot, and maybe that's what the multiversal war is about. When it's all the over, that they'll just reboot the fucking universe. <laughs> yeah, and um, um, Wolverine never existed. Everybody else that you all loved, and um, yeah, Tony Stark was never played by Robert Downey Jr. And everybody else was just a big, big, nice big reboot. It's kind of weird that I saw the other day that Robert Bracoli has said that with James Bond that they are gonna it's going to be a while before a new James Bond comes out. And I kind of got the impression that she's just thinking, do you know what? I've got enough money. I'm fine. <laughs> you know, there doesn't need to be a new James Bond film rushed out just because off the, off the, off the back of no time to die. And so again, it's the right decision to just, just take a step back, just sort of let it fade into the memory a little bit and then do something with it again at a later stage. Yeah, I mean, James Bond doesn't have the weight of canon quite like Star no, Trek, no, no. Star Wars, the MCU. I mean, most of those, I, I, I mean, you could tell that in most of those movies, they were wiping their ass with continuity half the time, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they didn't give a shit. And, they, and each of the movies was their own self-contained little adventure. And mm. there was very, very little continuity that went through it. Now, 
then when the Daniel Craig's came along, then they started introducing a lot more continuity and canon and everything. And I, I don't know. I, I, it was almost, it was a very mixed bag. Let's put it that way. Those four or five, what was it? Five movies. They were very mixed bag. I, again, coming back to with like Star Wars, I always got the impression that George Lucas kind of oversaw everything that was going on with the Star Wars universe, even even like the EU canon and all this kind of stuff. So like the Zan books, the, 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 the Thrawn trilogy and stuff was all part of the canon. And again, what Disney then sort of thought was, well, we can't just have... You know, we can't just make the Thrawn books because, you know, we need to make up our own new canon. And and if if you've got somebody who's overseeing all of that canon and saying, right, this is where this fits and everything else, it works together brilliantly. But then as soon as you lose somebody like that, it's kind of just, nah, you know, um, people can do whatever they want now. And it just goes and ruins everything, as we've just seen. Yes and no. I mean, it's... It's it's not removing old canon and trying again that really bothers me. I, I think that that can and should be done to, to to make things fresh and new again. But what you replace it with has got to be better, more streamlined. It's got to be done better. I mean, yeah. with Star Trek, yeah. they're doing canon and they're changing everything, so it all sucks. Um, and And then you've got like the EU, if you remember when the Star Wars EU started, we had the three movies. Even the Ewok Adventures or the cartoon droids or the cartoon Ewoks or some of that. It wasn't really considered canon. You had the three movies. That was about it. I think there was a smattering of books that may or may not have been canon. The mm-hmm. EU didn't start until the Zahn Trilogy, in which case that's when Lucasfilm decided to... First, get the get get the movie started again because they knew they wanted to do episode one, two, and three in the future, and he knew he wanted to do the twenty the the twentieth anniversary and special edition, and this was a good way to get people to do a lot of stuff. But he they set down the ground rules in ninety one about the EU and how things needed to relate to each other and all that. And Zahn was the first guy that did it, and he came up with a story because there was such a dearth of stories from Star Wars at that time. I mean, they tossed mm. the Marvel comics in the dumpster, I know that. Um, at that time, so, you know, be, you know, take that for what it's worth. So it wasn't the first time they threw away established stories. Um, but then after it's- the Zod trilogy came out, then just they came out one after the other, and I tell you, the quality of some of that stuff was was not good. So some of it was great. I like the dark. I must admit, I haven't. I was going to say I haven't gone much into the EU. I to. I think I probably only read the 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 Thrawn trilogy, which I thought was. I don't remember much about it, but it was. I remember it was great because I mean, even the fact they brought back the Emperor, but they did it in a in a much more linear way as opposed to Palpatine's back somehow. (laughs) Yeah, they did it. They did it in uh, that comic, uh, Dark Empire. Um, and they did the clone stuff, but that all tied in, it all tied in together. And those early days of the nineties, they had some good stuff and then it just kept going and going and going. And it just, you, you had, they, they were killing off Chewbacca. They were doing, you know, they had, they had the kids yeah. and then the kids went to the dark side and then they got killed. And then it just, it all just got to be a tangled mess and not all of it was great. 
The Zom mm. stuff was great. Some of the some of the early stuff was great. But I remember like the Jedi Academy trilogy where uh, Han and Lando kept betting the Falcon back and forth and kept losing it to each other. And I was like, oh, Jesus, what is going on here? These two haven't grown an inch. Is what you're telling me after all they've been through? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> again, yeah, like you say, with Han, you know, he, he, he goes through, I don't want to say the biggest of the of the character arcs, but, I mean, he goes through a major character arc from, from four to six. And like you say, at the end of it, just... <laughs> learn anything at all right so i mean they took the worst they took the worst aspects of the eu and they replicated that where han is now a broken down smuggler trying yeah. to pathetically do the same shit he did in his 30s and it just is you know why is like at least in the eu he was married to leia they had the kids and they were working in the new republic together as heads you know or heroes or very influential like i think leia became the president of the chancellor of the new Republic and Han was a, he had resigned his commission, but he was a well-respected man that did a lot of great things for the Republic. You know, That's, I did read a, I did read a good one the other day, or I, I think it was a video of somebody who broke down one of the films. I can't remember, but they were saying about how they never introduced Mara Jade into the new movies because Mara Jade ends up marrying Luke and they have a kid together. And again, they kind of wanted they 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 made up Ray because she needs to be a strong, independent, strong woman and not somebody who's then gonna marry the matriarch, you know, and, and has to be become a wife to somebody to to better herself and everything else. And again, it was just uh, Well that wasn't we, yeah, we, I mean if that's if that's what people got out of Mara <coughs> Jade's arc, then they, they just they don't understand how stories or characters work. They don't understand. No, 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 no. What I mean is, is, is we we unfortunately live in a time where Hollywood is being controlled by the woke community who are trying to please everyone. And we've just seen the announcement. If you go to the last movie I posted, the new Doctor Who has just been announced. And again, I'm to me the first thing that it sprung into my mind was ticking all the boxes. BBC are ticking all the boxes. They, they, I haven't seen it. Let me take a look at it real quick. I can't remember his name because he's, he's got an unusual name. Um, but basically, the new Doctor Who is the gay black guy from um, Sex Education. Of course he is. Nukti Gwata. Nukti Gwata. Gatwa. Gatwa. Nukti Gwata. But again, as soon as I saw it, I thought, there we go. You know, this is the time that we're living in now, that they're not making Doctor Who for the Doctor Who fans. They are making programs which conform to all the standards of, of trying to please people who will never be happy with what you do, ever. I they will always be angry at it. I don't, you know, in, in on the surface, just on the surface, casting a woman or a black guy for Doctor Who wouldn't bother me if you felt the stories were in line with what you expect out of Doctor Who. Because, you know, they say, well, Doctor Who changes from one iteration to another. He gets reborn. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not very steeped in the Doctor Who lore. I've thought about maybe start watching it, but I don't know where to start because you've got like 75 seasons of it. And yeah. uh, I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, but I mean, if if it was like, yeah, he's black, but or it's a woman, but that's as far as it goes, and everything else is about Doctor Who being Doctor Who, I really wouldn't have a problem with any of this. But I know yeah. why they're doing it, 
because they think I'm a racist. They're doing it. And then the rest of the stories are all about driving home the fact that this is a woman or this is a black. I mean, I think she says in the Doctor Who, she says, uh, it's like, you're Doctor Who? I thought it was a man. It's like, I got an upgrade. Like, fuck off. It's so cringy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, everything is about your immutable characteristics being the most important part of you. And that's the part that makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah. Again, I've it's funny because I've watched some older movies. I've been having a whole thing of 80s movies. And the actual... I don't want to say woke because it's, it's, uh, it's a new generational thing, but when you see characters who are black or they're strong female women or whatever they are in, in these older movies, it's fine. You don't you don't think about it. It's only now that in my mind I'm thinking, oh, it's a black guy, you know, or the, oh, you know, and it's kind of, no, back in the day they were just making, you know, they were just putting actors in who were good at their job. It doesn't matter what race, colour, creed, gender, whatever they were. It was just, they were just good at their job. But nowadays, you don't know whether these people are good at their job or not. You, is it just the fact that they are just ticking the boxes because they have to pander to everybody? Well, I, I talked about this with Aggie on the on the Star Trek video, which those of you who have watched that, thank you. It's, it's doing mm. quite well. I appreciate that. We will do a sequel to that. Um, I, I said that Gene Roddenberry specifically took a black lady and an Asian person and a Scotsman and a Russian guy and, and a very diverse cast. And he did put them in there for diversity. But the reason why he did that was to show that your immutable characteristics are immaterial to your ability mm. to do a job, which was a message mm -hmm. that was definitely needed in 1966. Yeah. Okay. Now they are doing the exact same thing that Gene was doing. They're picking people specifically for their characteristics, but they're doing it to show that it's much more important. Your, your immutable characteristics are much more important to your, your worth as a human being. So conversely, yeah. what they're saying is that my immutable characteristics, my being white and straight and a man, make me less of a person. That's the message. Mm. And that's the message that I fundamentally disagree with. And so, and and you have to be very clear about why you object to a black woman or a black man or something being made as Doctor Who. It's not that you object to that. It's you object no. to their motivations and what they see as the most important parts of being a human being, which yeah. is f I fundamentally disagree with. And I hate mm. it. I hate all of it because I know why they're doing it. I know what they think of me, and I know what they think is important. And it's completely the polar opposite of what Gene thought when he mm. put those people in there. He was trying to say that these characteristics are not important for your worth as a human being. And we it lost is... that somewhere along the lines. Yeah. We lost that. That's the thing. It's like I say, is, you know, watching some of these older programs and older movies and stuff like that, you just don't notice it. But the mindset that we're in today, it immediately sort of sets up, I don't want to say like a barrier, but you immediately think to yourself, you know, oh, this is, this is, oh dear, we've lost Madding. Too much woke talk, guys. Well, it's because it's, it's prevalent everywhere. And unfortunately, we are... We are living We're in a world about, where... I mean, this is entertainment now, guys. I hate to say it, but this is the entertainment that we have to deal yeah. with now. If we don't speak this out about world... it a little bit... I mean, I'm not trying to get into who you should vote for. I'm talking about the entertainment that goes into your brain 
that gets put into your eyeballs yeah. is subtly putting in all the stuff that says that you are worthless as a human being because of what you look like and how you were born. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. That's a bad. That's a bad message, and then it's not political. It's it's a bad message, and it's it's a bad message for for anybody, but especially for kids who are growing up at the moment. And, you know, and it's also a message that says confusing the sh- hell out of them. Well, not just that, but also if you shout loud enough, you can you can change things. And it's kind of that's not what the world is about. You know, if if people are offended by something, then there's nothing wrong with that. We're also taught that sticks and stones may break my bones and names will never hurt me. But that doesn't seem to be the case these days, you know. And we are we are getting a little bit off the point. And we are coming up to our two hours as well. So I yes. think we can probably call it uh, call it wraps here. We've, we've certainly we do not that, I would like to talk about the economic problems of Bosnia and uh, how I believe that their monetary policy is not good for the rest of the Europe. <laughs> I couldn't keep it going. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you start a conversation and there's a, your, your brain goes, no, no, no nothing. Sorry. Stop. Let's give <laughs> it up. This ain't working. Okay. Sound the alarm. Hit the eject button. Pull the ripcord. <laughs> okay. Do you want to wrap up for us? Then, oh, God, you? yes. So happy Mother's Day. At least for all the mothers around the world. And, well, in America, it's not over here. Well, especially for you, George, you mother. Uh, <laughs> uh, this has been another live stream from lastmovieoutpost.com. You can uh, hit us on our website where we have all the latest news and reviews. We are the cool news now. You can reach me at drunkenyoda1 on Twitter, and you can reach... George here at not George Lucas one on Twitter. We are also at movie outpost on Twitter. You can uh, email us. We do use that. Contact us at lastmovieoutpost.com. And if you're going to send a carrier pigeon, make sure it's a plump and juicy one. That's right. <laughs> we, we will also do smoke signals within a certain radius. <laughs> so uh we are uh we have a lot going on the youtube channel so please like share subscribe we would love for you to uh uh let it let the internets the inner tubes know that we're out here and uh we have got uh lots more shows coming up uh of course uh, i've got my overlook series george got his wonderful how to make a blank movie series which i have thoroughly enjoyed and um of course we got the live stream every sunday Anything else, George? No. Uh, this week's how-to is how to make a Fast and Furious movie, <laughs> uh, which should be should be out on Tuesday, first, but maybe maybe Wednesday. First, with the script, you start off with a very large box of crayons. And <laughs> <laughs> how do you know my writing process? <laughs> hey, a wild guess. Um, and we also just mentioned briefly that we might do a series on uh, the year 1982 for some of the overlooks. Uh, maybe no, some I would shorter. call it overlooked. I think we'll just call it uh, celebrating 1982. Because okay, I, yeah. I don't think any of these movies are overlooked anymore. <laughs> no, no. The eat it at at the extraterrestrial. Yes. I, I think I've heard of it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm going to have to look I, that one I, up. I really, I really, in my head, can and make it a sequel to the thing. <laughs> that would be wonderful. That, that would, would be just I, that, that, I would watch the hell out of that. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Um right, okay. Um yes, so no, uh, nothing extra from me. 
And right. Sean will be back with us next week, and hopefully Eggy. Eggy keeps promising to join us, and then he goes and has family commitments, um, uh, and so he you know, always lets us down. Eggy will be. Uh, Eggy and I will be doing a a follow up video to the to the uh, Picard, and we will be talking about Strange New Worlds, and I'll tell you what I hate about the new show, and <laughs> we'll kind of go from there. Uh, so that's, uh, I think that wraps it up. So George, always fun. And we will see you all on the next stream.